There are two readings today. The first one is taken from Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 26, and that's on page 1038 in the Church Bibles. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken the chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Second reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 12. That's on page 1160 in the Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, We are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Oops. Let's move this out of the way. Well, I'm very excited this morning. Can you hear me all right? Very excited this morning because I'm, this is the um, first outing of my Indian preaching shirt. I've been keeping it in a cupboard ever since I came back from India. 
And it was given to me by my good friend, Pastor Richard. And Pastor, we spent three days with Pastor Richard. And Pastor Richard has a ministry of freedom to people over the phone. He's a pastor as well. And so when he's having breakfast, he's praying for people. When he's driving his car, he's praying for people. Slightly unnerving, that one. While he's having a bath. No, I don't know if he does it while he's having a bath. But, uh, so I'm hoping that the same freedom that's on him is going to be on me. Shall we just pray? <clears throat> Father, we just thank you so much that we are here in your presence under friendly skies. That there is a God who loves us so much that he wants to give us his freedom. And uh, we pray that as we are here as a congregation today, we would be able to step into that new relationship of trust, of saying yes to God, that we want to be more free into being the people that you would like us to be. Amen. Well, we're in our third uh, section of this, of our thing, where the Spirit of the Lord is. And we've looked at where the Spirit of the Lord is, Jesus is most known. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, Jesus is glorified. And this morning we're going to look at that really exciting subject, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Um, I don't know what, wonder what words or images come into your mind when you hear the word freedom. I'll give a little pause there while you can think about that. When I thought about it, there was, I'm, I'm quite a visual processor and so there were some immediate images that came to me and I thought about that iconic picture of Nelson Mandela being released from prison after 27 years under apartheid and the picture of him walking down the road with, with Winnie with crowds of people following him. So freedom from, freedom from imprisonment for him. And then I thought of um, one of my favourite films. Does anybody know what this is? Have you seen this film? 12 Years a Slave. Quite, quite a hard film to watch. Um, the story of Solomon Northup and how he was uh, kidnapped from North America, and, and I think in, um, around Washington and taken into the South and how he was a prisoner and saw the most terrible things as a prisoner, uh, as a slave in the South. And then last of all, everybody knows this one, slightly less uh, deep film, but uh, Mel Gibson's take on the life of William Morris, Braveheart. They may take away our lives, but they'll never take away our freedom, said Mel Gibson. Um, and all these, all these different films and different images give us a picture of, of freedom from something. Freedom from imprisonment, freedom from slavery, freedom from the English. As a true Cornishman, I'd relate to that one. <laughs> but there's a different type of freedom, isn't it, that, that, that we could talk about, which is a freedom too. The freedom of standing on a, on a beautiful day like this on a beach or on a hilltop. Or that image of, um, the next slide actually? The freedom of a, a bird of prey hovering it's a different meaning, a different concept of freedom, the freedom to step into something, to be part of something. We live in a culture where we have freedom to explore whatever career we want, to marry who we would like, a freedom to do all kinds of things which maybe in other cultures we wouldn't have. So I think there's those two concepts of freedom, the freedom from something and the freedom to become something. And I think the biblical concept of freedom is something very similar to that. The gospel gives us the opportunity to be free from something, 
free from many, many things. But it also offers us this potential to become free to be the people that God always had in mind for us to become. And so, if we have the next slide. This, this is my definition of freedom. Take it or leave it. It's a work in progress, and I keep adding to it as the days go on. But freedom is the ability to live the life God always intended you to live and be the person he intended you to be, uninhibited or unbound by those things that would hold you back. The ability to live the life God always intended you to live and be the person he intended you to be, uninhibited by those things that would hold you back. We just will hold on to that thought and you might disagree with it or you might think of ways of changing it. I want to look at that story of the, the man from the Gerardines, Gerardines that was read to us from Luke 8 as an example of those two different types of freedom, freedom from and freedom to become. And I guess we've We've all got stories, life stories, that where we came from, who our family was, um, who our grandparents were, and then what we've done throughout life. And this story, we know nothing of this man's background. This man, what we do know about him, but he, he, was, he was horribly controlled by evil spirits, um, that he was uncontrollable, he cut himself, he was naked, he was living amongst the tombs, and that people had to con- tried to control him, they tried to chain him, but they, they couldn't, he broke the chains. And we can kind of deduce from that that society had given up on him, that he was ostracised, that he was probably feared, that he was friendless. So a pretty, a d- pretty desperate story. And then Jesus steps out of the boat and everything changes because this man suddenly or the the powers that are working this man suddenly see an authority and a power in Jesus that they'd never encountered before and so the man comes running and throws himself at Jesus' feet and he begs Jesus, don't torture us why does he do that? because power in darkness or power in the world always means having power over somebody, keeping somebody in their place, squashing people down. But freedom, but the power that Jesus has is never like that. Power in Jesus always brings us to a place of freedom, a place where we are better than we were before, a place where we are more free. And so Jesus gives this man what he most deeply, without really knowing it, desires, his freedom from these things. And you see in Jesus this perfect marriage between power and authority in one hand, but on the other hand, perfect compassion. And the two things come together. And there's this, there's this word in the Greek, which we don't really have a, a translation, proper translation for in English. And at St. Mark's, I bailed out from trying to say it. Uh, and I think I'll bail out from trying to say it again. It's such a long word. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's a Greek word which it means that Jesus was literally moved in his innermost being, almost literally in his entrails. That was a level of compassion that he felt. There was a deep moving inside of himself. 
And when we look at passages like where Jesus wept over Jerusalem, that word is used. Where Jesus stood at Lazarus' tomb and was deeply moved, that's the word that is used, that he was literally moved in his innermost being, in his guts, gut-wrenching compassion. And even though it doesn't use that word in this context, we know from who Jesus is, his character, that he had the same level of compassion for his man, for this man. God doesn't give us freedom because he can because of his power. God gives us freedom because of his compassion and his love for us. And that's why we can trust him so much. And so he gives him just what that man most deeply needed, which was his freedom from those powers that controlled him. Now, our lives and our stories won't be as dramatic as that man. And in a way, that story might seem slightly foreign to us. But all of us have things in our lives, perhaps in the past or now, where we have been, where we needed things we needed freedom from. They might have been guilt and shame and sin, uh, condemnation, unforgiveness, um, sickness. And I guess we could, you know, all of us who are here, who love Jesus, would be able to say things that God has set us free from. And so we know that Jesus has defeated all things at the cross that stand before us. All the things that most stand opposed to us knowing freedom. Jesus has won that victory over them at the cross. That is why he was able to say, it is finished. And the Holy Spirit takes those things, that victory that Jesus has already won for us at the cross, and he's able to make those real for us in our lives. So we will be able to know the freedom from things, the things that stand most stopping us from who we would seem to be. It's kind of interesting that the two passages where Paul talks about um, both the Holy Spirit and freedom, both are in the context of um, the law, being set free from the law. And uh, in Galatians 5.1, we didn't actually read that, but it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm there, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And what Paul, in effect, is, is saying that, uh, Paul is saying that Christ has given us our freedom. And it's a freedom that we're to step into, a freedom of relationship with the Holy Spirit, a whole new relationship. And he's saying Christ hasn't set you free from that so that you then take on a whole new set of bondage to rules and regulations. And in Paul's time, that, that bondage that people were te- teaching him was you had to be circumcised <coughs> in order to be okay with God. You had to have an external sign of your commitment to God to be righteous. Now, we wouldn't have that same pressure over us to be be circumcised as a sign of being okay with God. But, But what are the things where we'd be tempted to come back under the rules and regulations to find our kind of okayness with God? And Liz kind of touched on this a bit a few weeks ago. And I think it's often the... The ought-tos and the should-dos. I really ought to pray more. I really ought to read my Bible more. I really should be loving that person even though I can't stand them. Um, I really ought to try fasting. So many things that we... Almost like they're they're things that can make us feel guilty, um, unable to step into freedom. 
And guilt is a lousy motivation for growing as a Christian. Guilt can never produce fruit that's, that's the life that God desires in us. So I think one of the things that... I'm skating over this, one of the things that God was wanting us to set us free from as a Christian is coming under the rules and regulations, the ought-tos and the should-tos, and liberate us from those things. For what purpose? So that we can walk by the Spirit in all the places that he would take us and all the things he would teach us about ourselves. We are free from those things so that we can follow the Spirit. And, the, and it says that the Spirit is a flow, opposed to the flesh and it's opposed to the law. So God, Jesus has given us freedom from those things. But freedom is not just the freedom from things, it's all those of freedom to become, to step into. A freedom to become all that God had in mind for us when he first created us. Sons and daughters, uh, his children, his, his beloved children. So looking back to that story in, in Luke chapter 8, and we see the man, he's sitting at Jesus' feet, isn't he? And he is in his right mind. And he's saying to Jesus, he's actually begging Jesus, can I go with you? And Jesus says, says to him, no, I want you to go back to your family and I want you to tell everybody what the amazing things God has done for you in his mercy. And in effect, what, what Jesus is saying is, I've, I've given you back your life. You didn't have a life before. I have given you back your life. Now go and live it. Go and live it in the freedom of me being with you. Go back to your family. Be reconciled to them. You can imagine the tears that would have been as his family had, had given up on him. And he comes back into that place. We don't know what happens to him. We don't know what the, how the story ends. Maybe he got married. Maybe he had children. Maybe he became a church leader. We don't know, but we know what we know is that Jesus gave him his freedom to become the person that he could become in Christ. And Jesus gives us exactly the same thing, not just freedom from, but the freedom to step into exactly what God wants us to be in him. And that can be anything because we're all uniquely made, all uniquely called, all uniquely equipped with the Holy Spirit to become just who Jesus wants to become. I can't become Pete. I can't become anybody. But we are uniquely made. And together, as a congregation, as we live out of our identity, we honour one another. We love one another. What we see Christ in one another. Um, David, in Psalm 18, he, he talks about his deliverance from his enemies. And that was Saul. Saul was trying to kill him. And Psalm 18 is, is partly a praise for how God delivered him. And, and it says, He, that's God, reached down on high from on high. He took me. He drew me out of mighty waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy. So that's what we're talking about, freedom from. But then he goes on to say this. He has brought me into a broad place, a wide, spacious place. He delivered me because he delighted me in me. I think that's a beautiful picture of what freedom is. God brings us into this wide, spacious place. When I came back from India in 2006, and I, forgive me, I've shared this story to some people already, but I had, um, we came back under quite difficult circumstances. 
we'd, we'd given up being missionaries, we'd given up living in India, we were no longer part of the missionary organization we were in. I didn't have a job, I didn't have any money, and I was, I was left really on a sabbatical here wondering, well, if all those things had been taken away, well, who, who am I? Because so much of my identity had been built, I think, on being a missionary. And so over the next few months, I started the process that, who am I if all those things are taken away? And of course, the answer is, well, you're still the same person. <laughs> you're, the, you're the loved child of God. But I didn't really know that. And uh, I remember walking one day on the South Downs, coming to a place near to Lewis called Black Cap, if you know it. And as you go there, you can see almost a full panorama around the South Downs and over to Lewis and, and beyond. And as I was walking, I had this sudden impression, probably the nearest I've had to an audible voice, of, of, of the words, all this is yours. And I kind of thought, I, I know this is God, but I've got no idea what you mean. Because I knew it wasn't a literal, God has given me this land, because it belonged to the National Trust anyway. <laughs> it wasn't a literal inheritance, but I knew something, God was saying something about all this open space, you now have a freedom before you know, you, you're in a missionary organisation and you relied on other people to tell you what to do and you, your view was that God's will was quite narrow for you. And suddenly I realised that God was saying, actually, freedom and maturity is to come to a place where you're in a wide open space and, and you're free to follow the Holy Spirit and follow him wherever you like. And kind of that really scared me because... I've been kind of used to living by the rules and regulations and this is what to do. And suddenly I was faced with freedom. And a bit later on I met with a, a spiritual director and I poured out my troubles to him and he kind of ignored those. And when he prayed for me, he said, I have a picture of you being in a, a fortified place and you've, God has brought you out of that place. And he's brought you into a wide space, open space. And you can look around you on every side and you, you can decide which way to go. But what you can't see is the other side of the hill is Jesus walking up to meet you. And together, you are going to explore what this freedom means. You're going to explore what becoming is. And, and I think that's been my experience over the last 10 years, that putting aside all the things that, of ministry, the greatest joy has, be, has been discovering who God is making me, who God is making us in Christ. So what would God, I don't want to say, use the word requirements, but what would God speak to us from this freedom? I think there's two main things that I want us to take away with or maybe to go into the next section. And the first thing is, is that to enjoy, and freedom is to be enjoyed. It's God's good, best for us. It involves us letting go of control of our lives to the Holy Spirit. It involves a handing over of the reins of control and saying yes to the Holy Spirit. And that, that can be quite a scary thing because we all like to be in control. But it involves saying yes to God. 
That's the first thing. The second thing, it involves giving the Holy Spirit time and space. Time so that we can start to discern what his voice is, because sometimes it's very quiet. And discerning where he's moving so that we can join him and, and what the Father and the Son and the Spirit are doing together. And giving him time. Let me finish with this from Romans 8. This resurrection life you receive from God. We've got a slide of this. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, like, what's next, Daddy? God's Spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. God's Spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are, and that is freedom. Let's just have a time of, um, of quiet. Which might want to close your eyes. Maybe the band could come up as well. As we just, we invite the Holy Spirit to come and make real the things of our freedom. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, and that's here this morning, living amongst us, then there is freedom. So God is here this morning, wanting to bring us into a greater degree of freedom and also bring us into freedom. And so Holy Spirit, we just say you are so welcome here this morning. Holy Spirit, we give you the time and the space.